0: Hello, gladiators. Welcome back to Car on Par, a podcast dedicated to covering Clark Central High School athletics. Today, I'm talking to head CCHS varsity soccer coach and associate athletic director Chris Aiken. episode three of my new sports podcast, Car on Par. I'm joined today by an amazing guest, head CCHS varsity soccer coach, Chris Aiken. Welcome to par, Car on Par, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, so I feel like the first thing on everybody's mind it happened uh, at the game against Oconee this last Friday. Uh, y'all tied two to two, and I, I was at the game. I, it was very exciting, had a great atmosphere. Uh, What happened with that recalled goal that I think it was Aiden O'Connor had?
1: Yeah, so there was a a tough break in the first half. The game was tied 1-1. We had an indirect restart from a throw-in from Zach Quick. Um, Zach Quick runs kind of a long throw-in play for us that we've developed throughout the years. Uh, It's been very successful. He was able to throw the ball um, basically directionally at the back post of the goal, and it appeared that the goalie was able to get a touch on the ball and redirect it in the goal, which would change it from an indirect uh, restart to basically a live ball situation and count as a goal. And immediately after the play, the head referee had signaled it was a a goal. And then the assistant referee on the sideline apparently thought that nobody touched it, which would result in an indirect restart, uh, essentially, and the goal did not count because he deemed that no field player touched it and the goalie didn't touch it and so i was pretty shocked myself that the head referee who was closer to the play had awarded us a goal and then two minutes later in real time the assistant referee that was 45 yards away was able to wave off the goal so that was pretty that frustrating in that situation because we were tied one to one and at that point if you get a two to one lead heading into halftime it's a big momentum
0: uh, shift it's huge uh, uh, so I saw the video on the Instagram of that goal, and it it looked good to me. Like I, I mean, I looked at the video. I thought it was a clear goal. Even live, I thought it was a goal. So, or, what are your kind of thoughts on maybe like sending it in to GHSA or anything like that? To get yeah. So,
1: yeah, so a couple of people actually since Friday have reached out to me to ask you know what we're gonna do about like submitting the video or anything like that, or give it to the referees just for like learning feedback, etc. Uh, I'm not really. I guess necessarily concerned with sending it in. I actually personally probably won't send it in or have any interest in sending it in. Uh, typically in high school soccer you see the same referees uh, quite frequently from season to season, game to game, region game to region game. Okay. And so if I try to waste my uh, one game correction or stat correction in a non-region game and uh, get the referees on my bad side, I don't know how that would uh, favor me going forward. So um, certainly I'll show it to my boys just to show them what could have been possible, but. We also missed a lot of other chances to, to win that game, so to put it all in that one play, it's not really um, a great thing to do as the head coach, but certainly I think that momentum heading into the halftime would have given us a nice boost in the second half.
0: Do you, what, what is your opinion on uh, the Oconee coach denying uh, extra minutes?
1: Yeah, so we kind of talked just briefly um, for a second about going to overtime and, and he wasn't really interested in it. Um, I mean, I guess I, can see it from his perspective it's a non-region game on a wet field and so you're worried about for both teams a starting player getting hit, uh, injured possibly um, we both have region games coming up this week and so I definitely see his point of view I just would have loved you know at a 2-2 game uh, with the weekend to recover before the next week great crowd they're the defending four A state champions who have come away with a winner whether it be us or them but you hate to play such a good game for 80 minutes and then walk off the field in a tie when they only live five minutes away, so it's not like they had a long bus ride home or anything to, to do after
0: the game. So kind of switching gears here from like current events and kind of just looking at the overall year itself, uh, football had great success and expectations uh, at least this year Like because I was on the team and I heard everything that Perno was saying to us. and. Things like that, so what is kind of the soccer team's like hopes and goals from the expectations that have been set on it this year? So the the only goal pretty much I always set for the soccer
1: program is just to get a playoff spot. Um, region champion one seed or four seed, it doesn't make the biggest difference because you're in the postseason, you have a chance at a state title. Yeah. And so basically everything we talk about from all the way back to preseason, speed training in December, uh, to workouts in the fall in the morning, is to try to qualify for a playoff spot so that come April, you know, you give yourself a chance at that postseason run. And then from there, obviously, the ultimate goal is state championship. Um, back-to-back Sweet 16 runs. Uh, I've been to the Elite Eight three times, the Final Four once. Um, so a lot of good playoff results for this soccer program, but you know, the ultimate goal is qualify for the playoffs and then, and then make a state run. Um, now with this team, we're certainly talented enough to do that. Um, this past week has been hard for us. We've had three indoor soccer practice, practices due to weather. Uh, we played a game in the pouring down rain on Tuesday night and didn't get a good result. And so we've certainly faced some adversity, but you know, heading into region play, we're all tied for first place 0-0 right now. So hopefully this Friday we take a step in the right direction with the result versus Loganville. And then from there, it's just about trying to win enough region games to get a playoff spot because once again if you're if you're in the playoffs you have a chance at a state title just like the one seed does or the four seed and so I try to get them you know don't set your sights on you got to win a region championship or anything like that it's just can we get better every day between now and May so that when we get that chance we're ready.
0: Uh, What do you think are things that you've done in the offseason that have kind of led you to this point of on the cusp of region title and things like that
1: so we've done a really good job the past couple years um with speed and agility training in the off season um in 2018 and 2017 we contracted spark on atlanta highway to come do uh speed and strength training for us for two weeks kind of like a preseason camp and i thought it was really beneficial we jumped on a lot of opponents early in the season that might not have been as conditioned as we were Uh, in last season when we hired coach armistead he led us on a uh, two-week speed and agility um, team camp basically Monday through Friday after school in December to get us ready for soccer in January. And again, we see the results this season from Coach Armistead's training. Um, we started out four wins, zero losses. Um, we're able to get a 10-0 win, 4-0 win, 8-3 win. And so that early season speed and agility training that you do in the off season is, is pretty critical um, to the early season success. But now we're looking more at changing some tactics and formation things so we get ready for region play to kind of shore up our lineup and our rotation of players. Um, but definitely those off-season workouts have been pretty uh, critical to our success.
0: So uh, I'm on the football team and Coach Perno has like been here a couple years and he's really built up the talent in within the program of Clark Central. So you've been here I think a little bit longer than Perno has and how have you kind of built up the program over the past years to where it is now
1: yes uh, that's a great question when I first uh started here back in 2012 um I didn't really know much about Clark Middle our BHL and like our feeder soccer programs uh, I didn't really have that established relationship to get to know those coaches our or players and so I just had the you know 35 40 kids or whatever that came to our soccer trials in January because I didn't have that built up foundation
0: yeah.
1: uh, but now flash forward um, 2020 eight years later uh, i can name every player that plays for clark middle and bhl in eighth grade that's about to come into my program i know what club team they play for Uh, i try to make sure i go watch at least one game at each of those schools i make sure i come to the middle school championship and introduce myself to all the players when the game is over and i think all those little things are critical come soccer season because there's a built-up familiarity with me and the players Uh, this past season at tryouts we had 68 kids come Um, And so you see the difference uh, that from my first year to now is just the built-up relationships with those youth players, Um, you know, trying to build Clark Central Soccer into like a a brand they want to be a part of. Uh, We try to get nice like Nike hoodies and and gear like that so the kids see it when they're young and then they want to be a part of that established program. And so I think as some seniors on the team now, I was talking with Alex Bird and those guys that... They came to my youth soccer camp when they were in sixth grade, and now I'm coaching them as 18-year-old seniors on varsity trying to get ready for a state run. Wow. And so it's great to see those guys that have come through my you know, youth camp and our middle school programs to now be reaping the benefits as seniors. And, and that's pretty much for all eight seniors on my varsity team right now. I've known those kids literally since they were rising sixth graders, and now it's great to get to work with them on a more um,
0: professional level, I guess. So about, about those seniors, like you have Zach, Josh, Oscar, a couple more of the other guys. That, uh, what, are, what is it like having that kind of senior leadership in your starting lineup, and how does that affect the rest of your team going forward?
1: Uh, so it's definitely critical to our success to have those seniors. Um, in my eight years coaching here and ten years coaching high school soccer, definitely the teams that are traditionally more successful have accumulated a lot of seniors. Uh, Typically, I find that they're bigger, faster, stronger. It's just factual at that point of their life. Uh, High school soccer is unique. You have 18-year-olds playing against 14-year-old freshmen at times. And so this year, I'm fortunate. I have 12 seniors on the roster. Um, Great leadership at practice, great leadership in games. Uh, It's like having extra assistant coaches around. Uh, And a lot of them are super talented. I think we start nine seniors in our lineup right now. And so they've shown great maturity as well, which is pretty critical to our success. Uh, Like I said, I've known a lot of them since middle school, so to see them develop from, you know, young boys into young men has been a a great process for me. Uh, I think about, you know, Zach Quick specifically and just the leadership he's shown from his freshman year on varsity to now. Uh, I, I saw a cool interview, actually, I think that either you guys did or maybe UGA did it with Davis Gabriel, who's on varsity as a sophomore, and they interviewed him what it's like being a sophomore starting on varsity and the first thing he referenced was how much he enjoyed seniors Zach Quick and Oscar Mejia texting him when he made the team that they were excited he made the team and looking forward to what he could bring and you know I didn't tell them to do that but when I saw that interview it made me just proud and thankful as a coach that I have kids that are going out of their way to reach out to the younger players and encourage them and motivate them and that's the type of soccer program I want to be a part of
0: yeah I did a video with Zach uh, the other week and when he talked about you you he talked about that relationship that we all have built since he was a freshman here and he was on varsity as a freshman. How do you think uh, you as a coach have impacted him throughout his years here? Yeah, so Zach and me have had a great uh,
1: player-coach relationship and you know, just, I guess, mentor-student relationship. I think I've taught Zach three times now. I've coached him for four years. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations that aren't soccer-related, just about life in general. Uh, And so that built-up relationship me and him have is great because it translates not only to our, you know, friendship, but also his leadership as a player. Uh, I love getting to see Zach, you know, do good things off the field as well. Uh, I see him in weight training every day. He's a great student, Um, you know, and I just enjoy the relationship that we've developed over the past four years.
0: Talk about his maturation.
1: Yeah, so... Zach's maturity from freshman year to now has been pretty exponential. Um, Freshman year, I can remember he had a little bit more of a, I guess, aggressive temper at practice and games. Um, He was extremely competitive, which is why we wanted him on varsity. He's one of the only two uh, freshmen that's ever made varsity at tryouts, uh, him and Andre Lopez. And so that ultra-competitive aggression that he showed Uh, we wanted him on varsity because he was a competitor i knew he could help us right away Um, i mean he was fast and and strong and a little bit bigger than the other kids but that just competitive nature was what you wanted as the coach because he was going to push other players to give their best Um, but at times it was maybe a little too uh, aggressive and Mm -hmm. i think through some self-reflection and me talking to him privately um, we adjusted his attitude and game a little bit and i think he's reaping the benefits i think last year he led us in goals with 21 goals And this season is currently leading us in goals. And so, like I mentioned earlier, when that text he sent to Davis, you know, Zach went from the more uh, aggressive, being critical of his teammates player to a much more uh, pointing out the positives, uplifting guy, uh, fun to have at practice. Um, And those types of intangible off the field soccer attributes, I think will come up most in the the key moments in the bigger region games because he shows a lot more composure now. Um, he's able to reflect on what he's doing poorly and make adjustments quickly. And so definitely seeing him grow from 14-year-old freshman Zach to where he is now
0: uh, is something that I'm proud of. Yeah, when I was at the game, uh, I saw that, like, Zach and a lot of the guys were very mature about, like, things when they got kind of chippy. But then there was other times, like, I saw Josh one time, like, get into it with um, an Coney player. And, like, do you have any, like, thoughts and opinions on, like, how your players should handle themselves like when things do get chippy
1: yeah so in that uh, game versus a Coney like the last couple minutes I guess there was probably about two minutes left A had an injured player um, and Josh went over and maybe said something to him when he was on the ground it's kind of hard to tell in the moment of my obstructed view but he had a yellow card which clearly indicates he did something he wasn't supposed to do in that moment and so In that situation, you know, we go back and watch film and and reanalyze the game, things we did good, things we did poorly, what we can work on for the next week. You know, I've already made notes on that particular clip that he's got to show better mental composure in that moment of the game. You know, our key player gets a yellow card with two minutes left in high school. You have to force them to sub out of the game. It's a rule. And so that lack of discipline and lack of mental composure in that key moment of the game, getting a yellow card, taking yourself off the field, I just don't know what he was trying to show in that moment. So definitely I've already talked to him and we'll talk about it as a team in video study that I get built up frustration throughout the game, but not only Josh, but all players have to show better mental composure in that moment. I mean, you're literally taking yourself off the field for lack of discipline to not be able to hold back saying something to a player on the ground. And so, you know, you would say blame it on a maturity (laughs) thing, but he's 18 years old. He's just got to show better mental composure in that moment.
0: So, um, when you're looking at your younger guys, I feel like, uh, I saw Colin Bruner. I mean, he's a sophomore and he's starting. I feel like he was one of the better players I saw. And you said that he had 68 guys come out and try out for the team this year. What, it what does that mean to you to have so many younger guys that are in the program that are talented and where do you see them kind of progressing?
1: Yeah. So we're extremely fortunate, um, JV right now, we just have 18 freshmen and, two sophomores, I think, and they're 5-0 currently, Um, and so I know I've got a great freshman class and the sophomores as well that will contribute on varsity here very shortly, Uh, and certainly you never want to look too far ahead because you have the built-up roster of the seniors right now. You're in a win-now mode, but just to look at those 18 freshmen mixed with the two sophomores and the four sophomores on varsity, that's basically 24 players that... You know we are going to return next year that are talented mixed with nine juniors and so mm-hmm. we've got talent spread out through all the classes um, we're extremely fortunate that we have those talented players uh, I know that not every school or even program at this school is zoned to have so many talented players so I'm fortunate in that aspect and so yeah. now as a coach it's my job to you know spend time with those younger players in the off season, hopefully getting them ready for the expectations of varsity which is much more rigorous than a JV season just level of competition and time commitment and things like that but i can just look at the freshman class now and tell that for the next three years on varsity we're going to be very successful
0: mm-hmm. so when i was on the team this year and it even happened uh last year too for football we've struggled against uh teams like buford but we got over the hump this year we struggled against teams like warner robbins in the playoffs and uh over the past couple of years i know johnson has been kind of like the like the stepping stool to get over, they're like that team. If you want to win our region, you got to beat Johnson. So, can you kind of talk to us a little bit about your struggles against Johnson in the playoffs and in our region and how you plan to uh, get over that hump this year? Sure. So,
1: 2018, we play at Johnson for the region championship. I think at that point in the season, we were 16 and 1, and they might have been 15 and 2. Um, So we were both talented teams. I think we were both 5-0 in the region. The winner automatically got the one seed. The loser got the two seed. And so 2018, I think that we lacked the uh, belief in ourselves that we were as good as them. Uh, Even though we had beaten a lot of similar opponents by the similar scorelines. When you got off the bus at Johnson and saw the crowd and the atmosphere, um, you could just look at my team and tell we were a bit nervous. Uh, We had talented players and we were able to compete with them, but... It was the belief that we were as good as them. And so that game ended up being tied at halftime. Uh, it was tied all the way to the 20 minute mark in the second half. So really anyone's game at that point, yeah. uh, we conceded first, got down one zero. Uh, with 18 minutes left, we were forced to make some adjustments to try to tie the game. We gave up a second goal, got down 2-0, uh, And then we were able to get one back at I think the 15 minute mark to make it two to one. And then we fought to the last second of the game I had to throw everybody forward with a few seconds left to try to tie it. Unfortunately, I lost three to one. Uh, We lost the region championship, lost the one seed. Uh, In that scenario there, it flipped the playoff bracket. Johnson goes on to win the state championship that year. Um, If you go back and look at their playoff run, they won the first game 5-0 in the playoffs. Their second round game 6-0. They won their Elite 8 game 8-0, I think. And we ended up getting matched up in the second round with the number two team in the state. And so. That game had a critical impact on the playoff bracket that a lot of people didn't maybe look at as detailed as me as the head coach did, that you steal that game from Johnson with a 1-0 win, win the region championship, maybe your route to the state playoff is much easier. And so we talked about that a lot heading into the 2019 Johnson game, that we're again in the exact same situation. I think we were something, again, like 15-1. Johnson, again, was some type of 16-1 record. Uh, Winner at our home field that year, 2019, last spring. Automatic region champ, loser, runner-up, same exact scenario. Um, And all season long we had been discussing more of the mental aspect of the game. We knew we had the same talented players, um, same tactics, all those types of things. We just needed to show up to the game and believe we could beat them. And so in that game, we actually came out very confident, Uh, anyone that was at that game, we played extremely well first half, Um, we were able to get the goal to go up 1-0. Uh, Throughout the whole game we were playing well, all phases, defense, offense, possession, physicality. Uh, There wasn't anything we were doing poorly and we were executing well, 1-0 all phases of the game. I think it was 79 minutes and 35 seconds we played pretty much perfectly. Uh, We lost focus, Uh, we weren't locked into attention to detail. Uh, Less than 30 seconds left, they got a throw-in in in a non-dangerous area. Uh, They just threw the ball into the box. Two players thought that someone else was going for it, and they both up. moved out of the way. And then Johnson was able to get an easy tap-in goal two feet away from the goal with 25 seconds left to tie the game. It's like, oh, the that's so a uh, It was pretty terrible because, you know, you were so happy at that moment because you were up 1-0 versus the number defending state champion. You are about to win the region, get the one seed for the playoffs. You, you were going through all these scenarios in your head about, you know, how fun it was about to be. And all someone had to do was win an easy clearance on a – a play that wasn't even a, a routine goal-scoring play, and there was just a slight lack of mental focus in that moment. And w- once we conceded, uh, the game has to go to overtime. Uh, so there's a winner since it's for the region championship. Yeah. So we tried as best we could during that, that quick two-minute intermission before overtime to gain our composure, um, and we came out kind of slow. Johnson actually almost scored twice really early in the overtime. Then we settled down. Uh, it was pretty back and forth. No team really got good scoring chances in the overtime after that. Then we end up losing 5-4 in penalty kicks. Um, gave up the region championship on our home field. And again, you you flash forward the end of the season because you lost that one seed again. And just look at the playoff bracket. Instead of being the one seed um, and avo- avoiding Carrollton and McIntosh and some of the other soccer 5A powerhouses, yeah. um, McIntosh got to go to the other side of the bracket. Had an easy run, I think, to the Final Four last year. We get flipped to the hard side of the bracket. Uh, win our first-round home playoff game versus an easier opponent, and then we have to drive down to Carrollton two and a half hours away uh, to play the number four-ranked team in the state. Um, get a 1-0 lead on them, seven minutes left in the game, give up a conceding goal, and then three minutes left in the game, give up the winning goal, and lose 2-1. to one. Versus a top-tier opponent, it wasn't like it was a bad loss. They were a very talented team, yeah. but it goes all the way back to the Johnson game with 25 seconds left that we showed better mental composure and won that game we might not be in that situation so heading into this season we obviously need to take care of all the teams before Johnson Loganville this Friday Walnut Grove next Friday and Cedar Shoals uh, to get back to that you know 3-0 mark heading into the Johnson game so that that winner again becomes the region championship or region runner up and again just showing not only the discipline to play well which we did last season we played excellent but also that mental focus throughout the entire game Um, is what we talk about a lot lot this season.
0: So what do you as a coach uh, try to do to uh, kind of move forward from those couple games, especially for those seniors who have been through the program through those games? So how do you, uh, as a coach, try to get them to – push themselves and to remind them like hey we, we were right there like so
1: we, we we referenced the johnson game from last season a lot not in the fact that we lost it or the region championship or anything like that we just reference it a lot of paying attention to details and staying focused um, not only throughout games but also practices training sessions um, and adversity we talk about it a lot this past week we had three indoor practices because of the rain Uh, How are we going to let that adversity affect our practice? How are we going to let it affect our game performance? And so reflecting on the past uh, of that game and other games is important to building it for the future so that when you say stay mentally focused and then give a tangible reason why they should stay mentally focused, it brings a lot of uh, authenticity and effectiveness to it. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, kind of switching gears here to more kind of centered around you as a coach. I look for people, especially in, like, my golf game and my football game to uh, model uh, myself after I look up to, like, great tight ends like Tony Gonzalez and good golfers like Roy McElroy And uh, who do you kind of look up to model as, like, your coaching?
1: That's a good question. I, I honestly, as I just quickly think about it, don't have anyone that I try to, like, model myself after. Mm-hmm. I hate to give the cliche of, like, I just want to be myself. but. Uh, yeah. I guess when I run my soccer program, I try to run it like, I want it to be something that kids really want to be a part of. Um, mm-hmm. I don't buy them Nike hoodies and nice dry fit practice shirts and things like that because I want them to look cool. I want them to feel like they're, they're part of something special and want to be a part of it. I want them to want to show up every day and work hard. Uh, I try to build friendships with all the players, doesn't matter if you're a starter, a role player, you don't play at all, Uh, try to ask them what they do over the weekend, what's going on in their life outside of soccer, school, Mm -hmm. um, to show them that I really do care about them. It's not all about wins and losses, I mean certainly we'd love to win every game, Um, that's the ultimate goal, but you know for me to see people like Cole Wilson come back and helped me coach for the past four years as a former player of mine, or Mm -hmm. Mohamed Delane sat with us on the bench during the game uh, versus Iconia on Friday. Uh, To see all the former players want to come back and be part of the program shows you that we're building something special that people not only want to be a part of, but they want to come back to it because they had so much fun being part of it. And so those types of things to me are so special. And what I really like about being part of this program is bumping into guys like Shoal Wright who's at UGA and he wants to come practice with us or getting texts from former players when can they come back to a practice and be part of it again Mm -hmm. because I have been fortunate to to be able to create something that not only in the moment of being at the school do they want to join and try out for and be selected to be part of but once they're done with it they want to come back and still be a part of it. Um, I've had I think eight or nine former players come help me coach. A lot of them come stop by practices to talk to the guys, some of them deliver post-game messages, and so just being able to have created something that kids want to be a part of and that they want to come back and give back to, uh, that's something that is a coach I'm thankful for and and
0: happy with. So, who do you think, back in your playing days when you played soccer, who did you who are some of the prof- maybe professional soccer players, maybe like world soccer players that you kind of looked up to and you're like, wow, like could I, can I get to this level sort of. Um, so certainly growing up you'd
1: be watching like Messi and Ronaldo just because they're on the news all the time and media and ESPN and so you certainly want to like emulate all the cool stuff they're doing and highlights they're doing. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't really have like one particular player. I used to watch all their videos and stuff like that. Um, I guess, like as a player, when I was growing up, I tried to honestly emulate what my older brother was doing. I had a brother who was a senior in high school when I was a freshman uh, and went on to play college soccer at Emmanuel. And so, when I was a freshman, his high school team made the state championship. Uh, We were actually at opposite high schools. He was at Duluth High School and I'm, a new high school got built called Peachtree Ridge and I got rezoned to Peachtree Ridge oh, okay. and so to be at my high school but then see my brother playing in a state championship game I always was like hoping that I could either as a player make it there one day and certainly now as a coach
0: I hope that obviously I'm able to achieve that feat. So my family is very important to me, especially in my sporting life, because uh, they help me make a lot of decisions within that kind of realm, and I love them for it. They never forced sports onto me, but they have really like, helped me through my sporting career. So how, how does your family kind of affect the way that you coach or the way that you play and things like that?
1: Yeah, so I am a big family person. Uh, I grew up in a family um, that played sports. My older brother went to play uh, college soccer at Emmanuel. My older, older brother also grew up playing soccer. My younger brother uh, got a scholarship to play soccer in North Georgia. And so family with uh, four boys and one girl to have three of us play college soccer. And both my older, my oldest brother and my younger sister also grew up playing soccer. So uh, definitely a big sports family growing up. Um, My parents never forced it on any of us, made us play anything like that. It was definitely just something that they gave us the opportunity to do, which I'm thankful that they did. growing up playing a lot of different sports um, competitively Uh, now that I'm a head coach I reflect back on how many practices they must have had to take me to and games and tournaments and uh, how much it must have cost as well and so I'm so obviously thankful and tell them as often as I can uh, how grateful I am for all the opportunities they gave me growing up so that I could be where I am now and so a lot of that influences me as a coach because I understand how hard it is for um, parents to pay for expensive club soccer and take them to all these big showcase tournaments and ID camps and things like that. And so we try to, as best we can, make our soccer program like a small family. Um, We're talking about doing a team meal before our region game and uh, obviously the postseason catered banquet and things like that are kind of really fun team events. Um, But definitely family has impacted the way that I treat the young players in in the program. I have a wife and two kids. and so. I try to think as often as possible how I would want, you know, other adults interacting with my two kids, um, as far as treating them with respect and um, showing them dignity and being nice to them and and trying to give them all the resources they need to be successful. And so, even though my two kids are two and five months old, I try to emulate a lot of those things as a coach for my players. Um, feeding them before games, feeding them after away games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can always come see me during the school if they need a snack or whatever. Uh, If they need to miss practice to go to work and make money and things like that, you know, it's not about um, being super strict or hard on the kids all the time as much as it is about trying to be a role model and a mentor that can give them life lessons that go beyond just soccer. Mm -hmm. And so some of the players that I have the best relationship weren't even my most talented players. It was players that would ask me questions about work and college and things like that. And I think a lot of my coaching uh, philosophies and discipline and structure of the program comes from my family and my current family. Uh, my wife and, and sons come up and try to spend as much time with the team as possible, come to all the home games, some away games. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad drives up from Gwinnett County to all the games home and away uh, with no player wow. or kid on the team. He takes pictures actually on the sideline <laughs> and it's not even his kids. He just does it to be around me, but at the same time give back to my soccer program And so when they say it is a family, my parents drive an hour each direction to watch their son coach when they don't even have a kid playing. (laughs) And so that kind of gives you a little inside peek at how much of it really is a family to me. Uh, I only get to see them after the game for five or 10 minutes, but I'm so grateful that I do get to see them um, because I don't get to see them as much as I obviously would like to. Um, So we try to, now that my kids are a bit older, FaceTime them, which is kind of off the topic of uh, this this interview, but got me thinking about my family.
0: Yeah. So speaking of your family, like, I see you on social media all the time, posting about, like, your kids and, like, your team and things like that. So how has, like, your social media, like, expanded your family from, like, your teammates and, like, for your kids and things like
1: that? Yeah, so that's a a good question, and and it's interesting because I just started getting back into social media not that I was on like a hiatus from it or anything yeah um, this past two years I have a two-year-old now um, a five-month-old uh, I started my doctoral degree in August um, I picked up new responsibilities working as the associate Athletic Director with Dr. Ward and so a lot of things have kind of and I also picked up a girls club team in 2018 in the fall uh, not that I needed extra things to do <laughs> but I had picked up so many responsibilities that besides teaching, coaching, and seeing my wife and kids, I kind of had um, not necessarily stayed intact with, or in contact with all my friends and relatives and things like that. And just reflecting this past year, seeing like my kids grow up so fast, you blink and one's already two years old. I wanted to kind of try to re Connect, I guess, and show my family and my relatives and my friends, you know, what's going on in my in my wife's life, my kids' life, my soccer life, my teaching life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, through the power of social media, just posting, you know, a quick team picture. Uh, I work out on the weekends, my son participates with me. It's kind of our bonding time. (laughs) Um, Posting a clip of that, you know, I get so many comments and texts from people, and people stop me in the halls and say how cool it is. And you know, those quick two-second posts, if someone post a picture, you know, we just won a game or this is what I did with my son this weekend, gives you a nice conversation starting piece to kind of open those lines of communications back up. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, relatives or friends text you like, oh, I saw that funny video you posted of you and your son jump roping on Instagram. <laughs> and then it gives me a quick chance to ask them, you know, what they've been up to and how they're doing. And so I don't necessarily use it necessarily as like a promotional tool for myself or my soccer team, but it's been a great avenue to kind of reconnect with some old friends that I haven't been able to keep in touch with um, with all the things going on in my, in my daily life of school work I do for my, my doctoral degree before work and teach mm-hmm. all day then soccer go home and see my family and maybe come back up to work and watch a JV soccer game and so I might spend 15 plus hours at a Clark Central on, on a Wednesday or Monday um, and so I don't get that same time I used to do, to text friends and spend time with friends so
0: definitely social media has helped with that. So you talked about Ward there for a second. How, do, how does uh, how is Ward, as you're the associate athletic director, How's Ward kind of uh, helped your growth within the athletic program and what kind of things has he taught you?
1: Yeah, so Dr. Ward has been an amazing mentor for me personally, not only as a teacher or an aspiring athletic director and coach. Um, he's been a great friend of mine, a great resource to lean on. Um, I think back to all the way to 2012 when he, hired me I was just a a math teacher and soccer coach and he was instrumental in helping me get you know my program how I wanted it get my feet under me as a head varsity coach for the first time Mm -hmm. Um, dating back all the way to 2012 again I, I had his two twin boys on the team and they were juniors on the soccer team and so I felt a lot of pressure to not only have expectations of being successful as the coach but finding key roles for his two sons on the team whether that was um, just myself creating that pressure or, or not, that's the way I felt. But he yeah. never, ever made me feel like um, I had to play his two boys or any pressure to win. Uh, he was never critical of any decisions I made. He just let me be the coach, and he was just a resource for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for that experience because I can recall a specific Uh, start to my season, we we started 0-3, we were winning all three games 1-0 in 2012 when I took over 1-0, lost 2-1 1-0, lost 2-1 1-0, lost 2-1 and I was walking up to bleachers when the game had ended and it was pretty late at night on a Friday and I think it was just me and Dr. Ward in the stadium and I was feeling like so much anxiety that Mm -hmm. I was about to get scolded or uh, he was going to question what was going on or I was just having a thousand thoughts through my head and uh, he stopped me and we talked for a while and basically he just left me with uh, he hired me because he believed in me and he wasn't worried about our early season results and he knew that I was doing the right things and once we got our first win uh, the rest would be history and then we'd look back on kind of the start of that season and laugh and then flash forward we won the next 10 games in a row and won the region that year Uh, Wow! and so I'm just so grateful that he has never put like um, pressure on us to be uh, got to win all the games or win region championships. It's always more what resources he can provide you to be successful. And then once he asked me if I'd be an assistant athletic director, it was you know this is more of a chance for me to pick his brain on the administrative side. You know yeah. why does he do these types of things at football games? Why does he do these types of things at basketball games? How does he handle these situations? Um, And so that gave me a more like behind the scenes look at how the athletic administrator handles various uh, topics throughout a given season, not just soccer, but all other sports. And then these past two years, um, being promoted to the associate athletic director, I've really gotten a chance to go kind of behind the curtain on what it's like to be in that position, uh, looking more at detailed like financial decisions, um, maybe hiring uh, coaches, how we get select those types of processes, uh, corporate sponsorships. Um, He's given me a lot of responsibilities, which is great because it shows his trust in me as someone that aspires to have a position like that one day. Um, And certainly I'm grateful for all that. But he's also been so good about explaining his thought process behind why he does certain decisions so that Mm -hmm. I can learn from it and and see, oh, that does make a lot of sense why he made that decision. You know, I could implement that one day if I'm an athletic director. And Just him showing the confidence, I guess, and, and belief in me. Uh, and giving me those responsibilities um, means a lot to me and makes me want to keep continuing working for him and coaching for him and and doing everything I can to help not only
0: my soccer program, but all our athletic programs here be successful. Well, it sounds like a really special relationship that you have with Coach Ward. I didn't know it went that deep right there, uh, but... That's all I have for you today. I want to thank you so much, Coach Akin, for coming in. Yeah,
1: sure. I loved it. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, I love what you guys do. You know, I try to interact with all your stuff on social media and promote you guys as much as I can. I am definitely appreciate it. Yeah. big believer in all the things you guys do I love Mr. Ragsdale and so keep up the good work alright
0: this podcast has been produced by Owen Donnelly and myself for the Odyssey Media Group which is run by our advisor David Ragsdale see you all next time for episode 4 of Car on Par